Thank you. you may be seated. Thank you, Alicia, for reading God's Word this morning for us, to us. I hope that God's Word has been a blessing to you this week. And as I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3 is where she read from and where we'll be today. I want to especially say a happy Mother's Day uh, from me to all of you mothers, especially to my mom who continues to be a great mom and watches her son every week as he preaches. I thank you, mom. Thank you for watching. Thank you for supporting me. Thank you for loving me no matter what. I appreciate that. I love you. I want to say a special happy Mother's Day if I can, uh, and I guess I can since I'm up here, right? Amen? Let it be. I need some agreements. Come on. To my wonderful wife, my wonderful wife and bride and mother of my children, Alicia, I'm so thankful for a helpmate and my wife. Happy Mother's Day to you. I love you, and I'm thankful for you. Um, today, I want, to tell, I want to talk to you about something that applies to mothers, is for us all. And so my prayer is that today, as we dive into God's Word, that we all can begin to live in the reality that God loves you, that God has a purpose for you, and that God is well pleased with you. Today, I want to talk to you about being and living the real you. There was a fable that was written. I want to read this to you. It was a fable of the eagle and the chicken. Many of you probably have heard this. I want to remind you of it. It's good to hear again if you've heard this before. A fable is told about an eagle who thought he was a chicken. When the eagle was very small, he fell from the safety of his nest. A chicken farmer found the eagle, brought him to the farm, and raised him in a chicken coop among his many chickens. The baby eagle learned to imitate the chickens. He could scratch the ground for grubs and worms too. He grew up thinking he was a chicken. The eagle grew up doing what chickens do, living like a chicken and believing he was a chicken. Then one day, an eagle flew over the barnyard. The eagle looked up and wondered, what kind of animal is that? How graceful, how powerful, and how free it is. Then he asked another chicken, what is that? The chicken replied, oh, that is an eagle. But don't worry yourself about that. You will never be able to fly like that. And the eagle went back to scratching the ground. He continued to behave like the chicken that he thought he was. Finally, he died never knowing the grand life that could have been his. My question for us this morning is, are you living your life as the real you? As the real you. Today, we need to know some truth as we begin this conversation this morning and this time together. The first thing that we need to know today, and this is one of those messages that's going to be repetitive, so I want you to follow along with me because I believe we need to hear this today. So this is what you, if you're taking notes, jot this down. God loves you and has a purpose and a plan for your life. God loves you. His amazing and unconditional love, His sacrificial, His agape love, it's, it's very similar type of love that we in our human understanding can only really fathom 
because of a love of a mother. And so today, as we celebrate our mothers, we think of this love, this incredible love that God has for each and every one of us. And if you've had a great mother and you've experienced the love of a wonderful mother, I'm here to tell you today that this love that God has for you is better, is better. So if you haven't had a mother that's loved you and you haven't felt that love and care and concern, I'm here to tell you this morning, you can from your heavenly father. He loves you unconditionally. He loves you with so much love that he created you with a purpose. Since God loves you, he created you. The Bible says he knit you together in your mother's womb. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. But here's some very sad news that I think we need to understand and call to attention today. I believe that God wants us to overcome this sad news this morning. The sad news is this, that most people go to the grave never experiencing this love and understanding God's purpose for their lives. You see, God loves you and has a purpose and a plan for your life, but you and I, we cannot experience that love and enjoy that purpose if we never recognize it. If we never recognize it. You see, you and I, we need to be aware that our relationship with God and our relationship with ourself, if you can imagine that with me for a moment, is closely related and connected. So the challenge for us today is we need to shed any false self that we have of ourself and to live authentically as the real you that God has created you to be. Amen? So would you go on this journey with me as we learn to live as the real you? Paul the Apostle wrote in the book of Ephesians to the church in Ephesus, Paul said these words, he said, put off the old, put on the new, because we were created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. An author of a great book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Peter Scazzaro, said this, the vast majority of us go to our graves without knowing who we are. We unconsciously live someone else's life or at least someone else's expectations for us. This does violence to ourselves, our relationship with God, and ultimately to others. In other words, we must not only come to know God firsthand, we must work to discover and know ourselves, the real you. Not the person that others think you should be. I think it's very important for us to realize that in our world, in our culture today, there are so many different things that are attacking us, that are coming at us. And it may not even seem like an attack at times, but it, it challenges our self-awareness of who God created us to be. We get into the comparison game. We get into this temptation to look across the road or look across the yard and think, wow, they seem to have it together. Why am I not that way? And we begin to live to a standard that is not God's standard for our life. You know, we do that to ourselves primarily, and we have a way to really um, beat ourselves up in many ways. 
And we don't even need the help of the enemy to do that. But Satan is our enemy. And he wants to sidetrack us from living the best life that God created us to live. To live as the real you. So here's what we need to understand today. We need to see some amazing truth. And then we're going to see how we can resist the false self that we build in our life. So here's the amazing truth. We see it in our scripture text this morning from Matthew. Jesus has just been baptized with water by John the Baptist. And as he comes out of the water, the heavens open up and a dove descends and lands on Jesus. And we see this incredible thing play out. If you were, if you were there witnessing this and you're standing on the, on the bank of the water and you're watching all of this unfold and Jesus, you don't know who this man is. We don't understand who he is yet. But John dips him into the water and as he comes out, just like all the others that were baptized with water, but this time something incredible happens. And we see heavens, the heavens open up and we see this dove descend and a loud voice says, this is my son. (laughs) I love him. And I am well pleased with him. Wow. What incredible confirmation that must have been for Jesus to come out of the water. You know, when we have baptisms here at the church, I try to encourage you and and almost, if I can, instruct you as the audience that we celebrate baptisms. Amen? We don't want people to come out of that water and it's like crickets, you know? Baptism is a celebration. It's it's exciting. It's, It's that confirmation of what God is doing in your life. So here's a free plug. If you've never been baptized... I would love to talk to you more about that next step in your journey. Because we want to celebrate with you what God is doing in your life. And so here at the Pittsfield Church of the Nazarene, we open up those, those uh, blinds over there and it's, it's a celebration time. And as people come out of that water, we're cheering and we're clapping and we're screaming and we're whistling and we're just celebrating all that God is doing. Now, wouldn't it be cool if this thing would just split open and we'd hear this loud voice. Maybe we should try that. Andy, you have a very deep, good, godly voice. We could say, this is my son. You think you could do that next time for us? Do you think, what about the confirmation that would have? Well, here's the, here's the really cool deal. I'm here to tell you this morning. The amazing truth of living as the real you is this. God loves you. That is incredible confirmation. You see, we don't know a lot about Jesus from his birth to his baptism. But in our text today, it's important for us to see that God is revealing his love and his purpose for his son. We see that Jesus, as he comes out of the water, becomes aware of this love. And he is committed to that purpose. And it enables him to live it out As we see from our scripture this morning, he goes straight into the wilderness to be tempted. So the amazing truth that we need to realize today is this. You are God's child. He loves you and is well pleased. That's the amazing truth, the first amazing truth we have. And nobody there, we already had an instruction on this. So let's try it again. I'm going to see if you can get it without me telling you what to do. 
You are God's child. Amen. Amen. There we go. He loves you. You're getting there. And he's well pleased with you. Let's try it again. You are God's child. He loves you. And he is well pleased with you. Amen. The second thing we need to see is that because of this, because you are God's child, because he knitted you in your mother's womb, because he created you, God has a purpose for all of us. God has a purpose for all of us. The third thing we need to see, an amazing truth, is we need to be aware of that purpose that enables us to live that purpose out. As Jesus begins to live out his purpose after his baptism, we see some hard things happen right away. And the enemy tries to sidetrack him. Immediately in our text, he is led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So I want you to notice something. We could, we could preach, and I have preached on, on the temptations of Jesus. And, and you've probably heard many sermons on the temptations of Jesus. And, and we break it down as to what they really meant and how they apply to us today. But I want you to notice something about the temptation as a whole. I want you to notice the great temptation for Jesus was to try and deceive him, to sidetrack him, from living his life in the awareness that he is the son of God, that he is loved by God, that he was sent for a clear and specific purpose. You see, Jesus is being tempted to live a life unaware of who he is and unaware of how much he is loved, and the enemy is trying to get him to forget that. You see, we face some of those same temptations in our life today. And it's easy for us to get sidetracked from really living out the real us. So we need to address these. We need to face some of these temptations. Temptations for us to live towards our false self rather than the real you that God has created you to be. Let's look at these real quick, okay? Temptations toward a false self. The first temptation I think we face, and I think if I'm, not, if I'm wrong here, Mothers, you correct me, but I think it's important for us to realize we all face these, but I know that there are mothers that face these as well. The first one is this, I am what I do. It is a false temptation that we are a performance-based self. I am what I do. You know, I've heard it said numerous times, you meet somebody and they, they, ask, you some, they ask you the question, what do you do? It's one of the first questions we ask each other. What do you do? Why do we ask that question? Well, we ask that question to gauge an interest, to gauge understanding, to understand kind of experiences, what, where they're at. But I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you, never ask that question trying to give identity to somebody. Okay? Because that's a temptation for a false self. Just because I'm a preacher and a pastor doesn't mean my identity is in what I do. Somebody asks you, well, BJ, who are you? And it would be easy for me to say, well, I'm a pastor. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a preacher of God's word. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a son. I'm a friend. No, who are you? Not what you do or who you have relationships, but who are you really? You know, it's so easy for us to get sidetracked with these false temptations to say, I am what I do. That's where I gain my identity. 
It's in performance. And up to this point in Jesus' life, we don't see anything done over these first 30 years of his life that really seems spectacular. Now, to me, it does because I'm not very handy. Well, we know that Jesus was raised to be a carpenter. Joseph, his father, was a, was a carpenter. And I can just imagine because Jesus had, was the son of God, Bob, maybe you can help me here. I think that his carpentry work was probably perfect. It was probably square on, okay? I can just imagine that if I would have seen his table that he made, his chair that he made, whatever it was that I would have thought it was spectacular because I can't do that kind of stuff. My, my son just built a lamp, and I think it's spectacular. I can't do that kind of stuff. But up to this point, it's nothing that people would look at and say, wow, that's Jesus. You know, he's a carpenter in training. He hasn't done anything in ministry yet. He's done no miracles, nothing noteworthy except the normal grind of day-to-day living. And as Jesus is led into the wilderness to be tempted, Satan enters the picture and these temptations begin. And he says, if you are the son of God, why don't you do something to prove it? Why don't you do something to prove yourself? Why don't you turn these rocks into bread? You see, the trap we face today is very similar. Our culture asks us the same questions. What have you done? What have you achieved? How have you proven yourself worthy of love and purpose? How have you succeeded in school, in work, in your family, in your church? You see, the world, our flesh, the devil says to us, your success is based on your accomplishments. I'm here to tell you this morning that is false. I don't know how many of you have been to some of, we're getting ready for graduation weekend or the month of May is usually graduation. Some of you have already graduated and we're going to honor our graduates. But one of the biggest dreads that can come to a person's life is usually about 10 years after that. What usually happens 10 years after graduation? Oh, we get to go back and show off what we've done. High school reunion. All you homeschoolers, I was one of you, it's the best thing in the world. Because you get to go up to your brother and sister and say, ha ha, I'm better than you. Just kidding, don't do that, okay? Don't do that. No, but you go back to these high school reunions and what's your first thought? Well, I got to show them what I've done. I got I to gotta impress these people because we have this false identity that says, I am what I do. It's performance-based. I want to encourage you today. Do not let the temptation to live in your false self sidetrack you from making, from making you be and live who God intends you to be. Amen? You are not what you do. It is not performance-based. The second false reality that we need to get rid of is that I am, I am what others think of me. It's a popularity-based self. Up to this point, Jesus is not well known. I can imagine as he went down to the river, it, it, it's clear in the scriptures that John the Baptist knew who was coming. But I can imagine that people around didn't have a clue who this guy was. You see, he wasn't popular. He wasn't well known. He, he hadn't really come out to say, you know what? I'm the Messiah. 
See, I am what others think of me, a popularity-based self. Satan takes full advantage of this. He continues to tempt him. Jesus, if you're really the Messiah, you better do something to impress these people. You better do something that's going to make them notice you. You're invisible to this point. People are going to mock you when you tell them you're the Messiah. When you tell them what you came to do and your purpose and what God has in store for you, they're going to laugh in your face. Nobody knows who you are, Jesus. See, it's the same trap that we face in our culture today. Your success is based on your reputation. What others think of you. Most of us, if we're really honest with ourselves, with God, with one another today, would realize that most of us are influenced by what others say about us more than we're willing to admit. I won't ask for an amen there. It affects the clothes we wear. It affects the cars we drive. It affects the friends that we have or the friends that we even keep. It affects what we say and what we don't say, what we'll stand up for and what we won't. You see, we're addicted to what others think of us. No, that's not true, Pastor. I can't believe you're saying that on a Sunday morning. Well, let's just think about it for a minute. Many of you, as well as myself, probably not much longer. Maybe some of you are doing it right now. You're on this little thing called social media. Did my post get any likes yet? Did my picture, what I wore to church today, did it look good today? Who liked it? Who's seen it already? Do I get on Instagram? Did somebody, somebody comment on my Instagram? Somebody retweet me? Somebody sent me a Snapchat story? What is it, the deal? I got to see who's following me. How many followers I have? How many people like what I'm doing? And you realize it's not just in social media, folks. This was so convicting to me this week because I just spent time putting together our annual report as a church and guess what I highlighted how many people we influence on social media Woo! praise God even in the church we care what others think of us it's a trap it's a temptation that we have to be very careful with because I'm here to tell you this morning God didn't create you to impress other people God didn't create you so that you'd get the most likes on social media. Not everybody can be the most popular person on social media. There's only one. But guess what? Not everybody created you. There's only one. God created you. Why? Because he loved you. Because he has a purpose for you. Because he wants you to live in the reality of who he created you to be. You see, when we're sidetracked by Satan, we're not living our real selves. We are living as a false self that God never intended us to live as. We live as the real you when we recognize that we're a child of God, that we're loved by God, and we can live out his purpose in our life. Do not let the temptation of popularity sidetrack you from who you really are. I'm going to leave that one alone. Another temptation for false self is this. I am what I have. It's a possession-based self. 
You see, Jesus at this point in his life, he didn't have very much material wealth, if any at all. We don't really know all the things that he had, but as he recruited his disciples, they began to ask him, where do you live? Where are we going to sleep? And you hear things like Jesus said, you know, the master has no place to lay his head. You see, Jesus didn't have a home. He didn't have a car. He didn't wear the best, the best robe or the best sandals. He, I could probably guarantee you, 99.8% sure, that Jesus didn't walk around in Birkenstocks. Okay? Probably not. Okay? He probably didn't have some Gucci robe. He, he just didn't, you know? It just wasn't the way that Jesus was made. And Satan says to him, now look at all of this out there. He takes him to the top of the mountain and he says to him, now this is really confusing to some Christians and I get it. It makes sense to me. If he's the son of God, why is Satan tempting him with this? But you got to realize that Satan, when he was cast out of, out of heaven and in this world, Satan has been given dominion over this world called earth. He's been given dominion over that. If you didn't realize that, it, he's living in his dominion right now, okay? Why is the world so evil? Because the ruler of the world is Satan right now, okay? We need to remember that, okay? God's, God knows what he's doing, okay? The good news is God's coming back, and that authority will be overthrown, amen? That's good news today, okay? But until then... Right now, Satan has all of the splendor of the world. He takes Jesus to the high place and he says, look at this. This can all be yours. You want notoriety? You want fame? You want everything that's out here? I can give it to you. And he's like a good car salesman. For the very low price, Jesus, of your life. Mm. I believe Satan does the same thing to us. You believe you are what you have, that possessions matter to you, that that defines who you are. Guess what? I can give it to you. All you need to do is give me your life. Wow. And God says, you are my child. I love you. And I have created you for a purpose. You see, our culture does the same thing that Satan did to Jesus and does to us. It says your success in life is based on the stuff you can accumulate. Not only will it make you happy, it will make others think you're special and valued. So it kind of combines popularity and possessions. I want you to know this morning that neither one of those is true. Amen? We hear this saying a lot around Christmas time, but it's true when it comes to this false self. We, we, we do things that are just crazy sometimes. You know, we spend money that we don't have to buy things that we don't even need to impress people we don't even like. Why? Because we fall into this temptation of, I am what I have. I am what others think of me. You see, when we get sidetracked by Satan, it's easy for us to not live as the real you. We begin to live an imposter lifestyle. A lifestyle that God never intended for you to live. See, here's the truth to living as the real you. We've said it over and over today, and I want to just bring this home in this way. I think it's very important that we get this. If you leave here and not know the truth of this 
message today. Here it is, okay? The truth of being and living the real you. Number one, you are a child of the Almighty God by faith. You can't change the fact that God created you. That is a fact. For you to believe that you are a child of the Almighty God, God of this universe, the creator of all things, you have to have faith in that. You've got to put your hope and your trust, your faith in a God who created you. But the reality, the amazing truth of the real you, of living that, is to realize by faith you are a child of the Almighty God. Number two, truth to live in the real you is you are deeply loved by God. The, the, here's some really cool things about what's in Scripture. And if, if you haven't read this and you don't read the Bible, maybe this is a place for you to start. But in the Bible, it says this. It says that nothing in this world can separate us from the love of God. Well, well, I don't really understand this church thing. I don't understand what you're saying because there's church people and then there's non-church people. What's the difference? Well, the difference is sin. But the Bible is very clear that sin separates us from a relationship with God, but nothing, not even sin, separates you from his love for you. That's hard for us to understand at times, but here's the thing. If you're a parent, if you're a mom or a dad or grandma or grandpa, and you have an estranged relationship with your child or your grandchild, does that change your love for them? I hope not. Because it didn't change God's love for you because you're his child. Well, I'm not living for him. I'm doing my own thing. I'm praying for you. Your parents are praying for you. Your grandparents are praying for you. People that truly love you and care about you are praying for you. Why? Because you are deeply loved by God and we need you to see that and experience it and take it firsthand because it'll change your life. Nothing in this world will separate you from his love. Even if you are so far gone and you are sinning and you are living in the world so much, you're living in those false selves every single day of your life, God still looks down on you and says, I love you because you are mine. That's good news. You are deeply loved by God. The truth of the real you, number three, you are pleasing to him by obedience. By obedience. When you make the decision to live as the real you, you need to know that you will disappoint some people here in this life. You're going to disappoint the people that have a different expectation for you. You're going to disappoint the people who think you should be something that you're not. You're going to disappoint the people that are looking to you and saying, you know what, you're not really popular, I'm not going to hang with you this weekend. You're going to disappoint people by living the real you because they don't think that's who you should be. But here's some really cool good news as well. Jesus disappointed a lot of people as well. Jesus disappointed his family. Jesus disappointed the people he grew up with in Nazareth. Jesus disappointed his closest friends, his disciples. They didn't always understand what he was doing. He disappointed the crowds of people. They mocked him. He disappointed the religious leaders. You see, Jesus disappointed a lot of people while he was living as the real Jesus. 
but he realized how and why he needed to live as the real Jesus. And I believe he wants us today to realize how we need to live as the real us. The last verse of our scripture this morning is there in your bulletin. I want you to take this with you. I want you to be reminded of this truth from God's word. Matthew 4.10 says this, Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan. You think that's how he said it? Pastor Greg, do you think that's how he said it? No. I'm here to tell you, if you treat Satan with kind of kick gloves, you're in trouble. Jesus gave us the saying, Be gone, Satan! You have no claim over this. Be gone, Satan! There's an exclamation point there. That's why I'm doing this. He didn't say, Be gone, Satan. If you would, would you please leave? You don't have to be nice to Satan. Be gone, Satan! Get out of here! You got no place in my life. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. You see, Satan knows the Word of God. Satan's a better theologian than you and I will ever be. And he's going to trick you and he's going to tempt you. And this is why Jesus gives us instruction. Be gone, Satan, because the word says, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. In other words, it doesn't matter what other people think of you. It doesn't matter how much stuff you have. It doesn't matter how many likes you get. What matters is you are a child of God. You are deeply loved, and you are well-pleasing to him. So today, will you trust God to help you to live in that reality that you are his child? Will you believe that God loves you so much, nothing can separate you from his love? And will you begin to obey God and his word? Because when you do... He will look down on you and say, this is my child whom I love and with them I am well pleased. Would you stand with me this morning? Father God, we come to you in this moment in this conclusion of a message, in this conclusion of a Sunday service, in this spirit of prayer, we, we bow our heads, we close our eyes and for just a moment, Lord, we want to say, would you help us? Help us to live in the reality that we are your sons and daughters. You created us. Would you help us to believe how much you love us? Would you help us to accept that love? And God, as we continue to take that next step in following you with our life and we begin to obey everything that you've taught us, God, what a confirmation it is when you can look at our life and say, you are my child, whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. God, would you help us as we leave this place today to walk 
in the assurance that we are living as the real us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a great day. Happy Mother's Day. God loves you and so do I. We'll see you next week.